Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Jote Maniac, and today, DM Chris and I are delving deep into apparently what are the most asked questions via the one and only Google. Basically, we're doing what is equivalent to a wired autocomplete interview for Dungeons and Dragons. It's really straightforward, and it is definitely all over the place, but it is a fantastic episode. So, rather than talk any more, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. So, today for the meat... I got a wild hair and I have decided that apparently I've watched too many of Wired's autocomplete interviews and we're just going to do that for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, welcome aboard. Once you have enough. It sounds Yeah. Wonderful. Once you have enough podcasts in the can, you just start making things up. Uh, and today this is what I have made up. And Chris, are you excited? So we'll let the random generator of Google. Yes, I am. I am. And we'll let the random generator of Google make it up for us. So the best part is. I mean, to try and mimic that style as much as possible, I've only kind of seen some of the questions for the past couple minutes. Chris has not even seen or heard any of them at all. So we're going to basically blind react to what some of the most common questions are via Google when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons. And I believe, Neil, we are doing the like people also ask. We're just like kind of clicking those to see what pops up right that's what we're that's kind of what we're doing yeah anything basically anything that's auto-completing by google to because because the whole premise of that is that there are enough people that these things are coming to the top of the list as assumptions made by the searches of many that this is also what i would like to know so <laughs> maybe they're questions you've had my favorite one is when i put in we'll just and we're jumping right into it is Dungeons and Dragons real is the first thing that comes up when I do a Google search. Hmm. So did you, okay, to set the groundwork, did you do is D&D &D or did you do D&D &D is? Okay, so currently I have is Dungeons and Dragons. Got it. Okay, because I have set in mind D&D &D is. So maybe we can go through a bunch of yours and talk about them and then we can go through a bunch of mine because mine are hilarious as well. Okay, so yeah, my first, yeah, we and we can go back and forth. So my first one is, is Dungeons and Dragons real? Uh, what do you think, Neil? I think that's such a weird question to have hit the top because I don't <laughs> like what's the like on what basis is the question formed? Like, you know, the old adage of like, is the Easter Bunny real? Uh, is a million dollars is real? It, is, is it like the Matrix? Is it like a separate alternate reality? Yeah, it's, I mean, it exists. It's out there. You can certainly buy it if you'd like to purchase it at your friendly local gaming store. So it, it's it, it's there as, you go. It's as real as you want to make it, which I think is going to end up being a, the answer to about all of these questions. So, Chris, do you think Dungeons and Dragons is real? <laughs> I think it is as real as you make it. <laughs> like you can. I think D&D is real in the sense that like you can create really fun things from it and they can create really fun, realistic memories for you and your friends. But there are no such things as dragons, unfortunately. And fortunately, I guess at the same time. Yeah, that'd be a bummer. 
we'd bet we'd mess that up as a society that's yeah. for sure yeah okay yes we would as we have seen in games of thrones <laughs> so what is the number one question that popped up for you so the first one of the ones that's on here is D D is grease flammable what i don't i don't know here let me so, let me change my question we can cut that part out no i don't i mean i don't want to but yes we, i mean it, it probably wait so what did you type did you type d i, I typed D D is so like d ampersand so i didn't actually d. type D D. yeah so here I'll I'll just do the so I typed in I typed in D and D is and I am going to do the people ask section on you know the Google Chrome browser where it just kind of like gives you pop up ones and the more you click it it adds different questions to it so the first one that I have on here is what is the point of D and D that's the first question that pops up for me. So that is probably what I would consider a really good question for someone that hasn't played. Um, Just in the sense that one of what I feel especially is like one of the most commonly asked questions of a dungeon master, more so than the players, is did you win? Right. Like what is, you know, with everything as gamified as it is, even like to to the point where like educational things will be gamified to try and increase engagement or I beat this game or I play, you know, even if you're talking about cards or dice or anything like that, like what's the win condition. And I think that is probably one of the hardest things to explain about Dungeons and Dragons. And my answer is always, I look, especially if I'm in the same room still, I look to my players and I say, did you have a good time? (laughs) And if they say yes, I turn to the person and I said, yes, I won. I won. We won as a collective team. Because even in moments where they didn't have a great time, where something bad happened to them, they probably still had Mm -hmm. a great time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny because like this question came up with like a very on point answer that comes from dnd.wizards.com <laughs> as the answer to it and it says in dnd the players form an adventuring party who explore fantasy worlds together as they embark on epic quests and level up in experience the dungeon master also known as the dm is the game's referee and storyteller there's no winning or losing in dnd at least not in the conventional way that is the explanation straight from their website perfect so maybe there's winning, maybe there's losing, but just not in the conventional way. So, okay, I like it. So the next one I have is really interesting. So it's actually on the bottom of the list that I have up. So is Dungeons and Dragons still popular? Mm. And that, I would say yes. Yeah, I would say more so than ever before. But it's an interesting thing because even as big as it is for us that know that it exists, it still doesn't necessarily cross into every realm. And uh, I guess pun intended, but I think of the same thing of like, <laughs> you like stumbling onto like a new YouTube creator and inevitably they'll have like millions of followers. And I've, you know, I've never even heard of someone mention this person until this moment but that means there's tens of millions mm-hmm. of people that have watched all this content that could be the thing that is the most life-changing experience that they've had and i am just completely oblivious 
it's weird as connected as we all are in this day and age how disconnected some things can still be so someone could have have yeah. you know never heard a single person that's ever played never seen a piece of media nothing related to it and that said it hits amazon bestsellers all the time and it's getting a full budget movie and 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 yep yeah, I, I think about it from two perspectives. Like, is it still popular? I think a lot of people know what it is now. And so in that term, in, in that regard, I think it is. I'm curious if people are still able to play as much as they did as two years ago or even a year ago, where we still didn't have as many things going on. And like with the advent of Critical Role and Dimension 20 and Fifth Edition getting super popular and then everything shutting down and everybody moving online. And it seems like everybody was trying it out and playing. I wonder if people are still able to actually get together to play as much as they did or could, you know? So in that regard, I'm like, cause I know it's been harder for me and my players to get together, you know, consistently, like even once or at most two times a month, like it's just gotten more and more hard as especially this past summer and this fall have worn on. So maybe it's just me projecting my experience into the greater world but i'm curious like as many people have like regular gatherings to play um as we did like one or two years ago you know does that make sense no it, it really does because you think of uh, the the general availability of most people was higher because most people were then moving to online and staying home so then you're you're not traveling for for all the things that you would do you know i'm not asking you to come even five minutes over to my house to try and play. I'm asking you to sit down in front of your computer. And so I know it definitely was, it brought it to the forefront and a lot more people were there and available and doing things, especially I think of what was it two or three years ago when it was like D and D live and they had just this mass gathering of all these celebrities because they were all home. Are any of them still playing? Or, you know, and does the overall popularity increase because of that exposure, but now it's, you know, leveled out into where it is now. Oh, this, this is a good one. Can we skip to this? I want to skip to this one, right? Oh yeah, go. This is a good question because I think this will be intriguing. So Neil, where is D&D most popular? There are an estimated 13.7 million D&D players. With a user base that large, it's no surprise that D&D isn't the same dirty secret basement game it was when your dad played. But there's a list from, uh, oh, it comes with what state has the highest and what the state's favorite class is. This is wow. awesome. Wow, okay. So, I love so, this. Oh, there, you, you gave me more context because I was going to ask, are we looking at cities? Or are we looking at states? Um, so we're looking at states, yes. Okay, so we've got we've got two options, and the the first option that I want to say is Seattle or Seattle is Washington because everything is based inside of Seattle and the Pacific Northwest sure. Is, sure. is at an all time high now. That so said, I will say I think they do it per cat like percentage of the population of that state. I think is how they're doing okay. it. Not like total number of people, but just like the percentage of people. Oh, of interesting. That, state that play. So it, Ooh, it's okay. it's a little backwards. Yeah. So that might change your change your perspective a little bit. Okay. So so my my secondary option is the home of Gary Khan, and I'm gonna say Wisconsin as my official no. answer. Rhode it Island, because there's not 20th. very many people. Is, <laughs> no, Rhode Island is number thirty one. You ready for number one? 
Okay. Here, I'll give you I'll give you the, the top ten. Okay. Top ten, Utah is number one. Idaho number two. Oregon number three. Four is Maine. Five Vermont. Six is apparently Alaska. <laughs> Seven is Washington. Eight is Montana. Nine is New Hampshire. And ten is Kansas. I have no idea how they figured this stuff out, but apparently that's the article that was linked. Oh, how we figured this out. <laughs> I don't know how they figured it out, but I, if I keep reading, I will know. Yeah, yeah. We looked at a full year of search. Oh, so it was based off of where people searched things on the internet. So it's very obscure. But they looked at like um, internet data of like who searched the most per like percentage of people about D&D or ask D&D questions or whatever. So apparently Utah asks the most questions or searches the most for D&D content. Super interesting. Which Um, I mean, I mean, it's a tough gauge to really know what it means. But at the same time, I mean, it's not wrong because I'm invested, you know, you and I are both invested in D&D and we do D&D based searches. And if you can, you know, figure out a way to like, equate that out to potentially the number of people right utah and idaho yep that's one and two and so yes and so let me go back here because it's making me do a whole bunch of stuff now because i ran out of time on the website before i had to log in it says so number one is utah their favorite class apparently based off of the questions that they asked were monks (laughs) interesting um number two was idaho and theirs was a cleric Apparently, Oregon is the rogue, and apparently, Maine is the monk. So, there you go. Wow. Who would have even begun to guess? Yeah. Okay. Since that was exciting, and this is one that's going to have to come up, let's make this next one far less exciting. Because inevitably, several of them equate to something like is dungeons and dragons evil is dungeons and dragons witchcraft is dungeons and dragons demonic is dungeons and dragons bad sure if you want to <laughs> like that i think the, you can make anything bad if you want to yeah like it's it's literally it's literally just words on a page that you're you're filtering through your own imagination and perspective to then make something that other people engage with if that's what you want it to be absolutely in the same vein that it can be the most rewarding educational experience for your children because you've structured it and delivered it in that way so the answer is inevitably yeah if you want it to be yes and you could very easily and with very little effort not make it that <laughs> well it just, i don't know how i have not put these two together it would be the same in, in the same vein. Like if I, if I were trying to have a genuine and honest conversation with someone about this sort of thing, which, you know, sometimes that's what we are either led to do, forced to do, get to do, have to do whatever version we find ourselves in that conversation. It just dawned on me the one of the counter arguments, because sometimes if you play too much in the extremes, it, it gets conversations get hairy but i would genuinely want to ask another person do you feel that movies are evil 
because that's the same thing because in in the same way that you know words on a page are filtered through the mind of a director with the actors doing what's asked of them there are you know what some could objectively consider more evil movies i mean some that's just straight up in the title and you know depending on you know a rated r horror film is not a rated g kids film but they're all movies right and so in a lot of ways like they it's it's very similar because to to some degree you and your players are writing the script for the game that is then playing out at your table so you know if you Hopefully that's hopefully all those words are helpful to someone that is um, finds themselves in this kind of conversation with someone else um, trying to illustrate what D and D can be. Yeah, very true. Um, okay, you ready for this question, Neil? I am. Since this yours is, are yours are this wild. Is, mine are wild. Yeah. Can I, you play D and D alone? This is a little less wild one, but can you play D and D alone? I yes. think the obvious answer is yes. And I think there's even like supplements of how to do that well that have been written um, out there. But I think like most games, you could very easily play it alone. You would have to try and flip back and forth between multiple characters or just make stuff up as you go. But super easily could be done. Yeah, and you could, um, you know, you could create a module. And, and I've seen a lot of things that, hearken to that in so then my daughter plays i got it it's on the tip of my tongue tales of equestria the my little pony rpg and in a lot of ways that's just a a a choose your own adventure book that you roll so like if something comes up i roll and if i don't pass the roll i go here if i do pass the roll i go over here or like, here are your three options. Which do you go to turn to that page? So something like that could easily be, I mean, essentially that's just adapting D&D into a different format and you could adapt your own adventure. Like someone could easily write a module to say, if this, then that. Um, mm-hmm. And you're just, in, in a lot of ways, you're just playing through that process by yourself. Yeah, and there's like, a, like uh, the website that popped up for that answer. But yeah, they have like a whole section this website does of like, how to play it and links to a whole bunch of articles of like, yeah, that sort of stuff of like, if then sort of stuff. And like, there's people that have rewritten modules that have come out of how to play like lost minds or dragon of ice spire peak or curse of Stroud. Like have rewritten things of how to play it in like quote unquote solo mode, you know, and you very easily could do it. I think I would always want to do it with other people, but like if I lived like in the bush of Alaska and had nobody else except for caribou, I would probably try and figure it out. And then that's why I'm doing all my Google searches about how to be a good monk. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. For those who live in the mountains of Utah, I guess. So, so yours segues into one that I had that is interesting because it says is D and D or is Dungeons and Dragons a video game? And the answer is sure. It's so very many video games are based on what Dungeons and Dragons set up because it existed before video games. Some are so much Dungeons and Dragons that they are A, branded that way, and B, the literal backend is just using the actual math of the game to figure out what happens in the game. Yeah. 
And for the, the branded ones, that goes all the way back to 1988 with the Pool of Radiance. So, mm. yeah. It, it's yeah. You've very got much Baldur's so, Gate yes. in there. You've got the Neverwinter series in there. Like, there's a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, all the Neverwinter. Um, yeah, I think there's even like, so last night, um, my players and I played virtually because it worked best for everybody's schedule. And we used um, a virtual tabletop called Tailspire. I don't know if you've heard of Tailspire at all, Neil. But it's kind of got like a um, Dwarven Forge feel to it, but just virtually. It's oh, really okay, yeah. awesome for online tabletops. And like you can find like these boards that you can copy from websites that people have made for battle maps and all this sort of stuff. It's really cool. And it's like the closest thing to like video game D&D as I've seen. And it was super fun to do it that way because I... You know, the 2D maps are fine, but this is like 3D, Yeah. you know, maps with minis. You can link up a Hero Forge account to it and like make minis there and import them into the game. And oh, okay. it's just like super cool. It's really fun. And they constantly are coming out with like new mini packs and textures and all that sort of stuff. And it was so it wasn't like we were playing a video game, but in some ways it was taking a video game in a way. And I think they have aspirations of doing that with the game of like making campaigns that you can yeah. walk through with players and like having things oh, pop with, out and like conversational pieces and stuff. In ta- in, ta- in Tailspire, I think so. Yeah, but like you can use it and make your own boards and stuff like that. So, yeah, because I know D anD D is looking towards like its own virtual tabletop that it, that looks similar to this to the point where like I can't even tell if like they're basically gonna buy it. Tailspire. Uh, so that's what I was saying to my players last night. I was like, if they're not, I'm going to recommend to them and send them an email, you know, because yeah, my they, voice carries so much weight there. But does. to say, like, you guys should really think about this one because it's super cool. Yeah. So here's my next question. You ready for this, Neil? Yes. What is the average age of most D&D players? The game's 50 years old at this point. But this comes from DiceCove.com as apparently the expert on this. That have been what do you po- think? That have been polling people. Who okay? So I'm going to ask a contextual question. When is that article written? It says it was written in 2022 because it says it's now bigger than ever before. Then like the game is now bigger than ever before in 2022. So it was written this year at some point. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So because I, I w- like my original answer would probably have been. A little bit older and now it's it you know over time especially recently i feel like it's skewing down a little bit but i also don't think it's gonna skew that far down <sighs> i'm gonna say does it have a, a range or a specific age so it has a it has a range okay i'd say what is i'm trying to think of uh let's say oh man i'll say 40 to 50 is my my range mm, guess that is actually the smallest group whoa or one of the smaller groups so they say now that 40 percent of players are aged 25 or younger that's awesome so we're old we're old neil we we're the old are. folks in here that's cool <laughs> we're the geriatric D players oh, but it says 11 percent of players are 40 years or older the reason being because a lot of them did not make the switch over to fifth edition when it all came out and mm. so and their lives are a lot more busy and complicated with older kids and um, grandkids and things like that. So they do not have as much time. But those 25 years and younger because of the ease of watching content, like they said, 
to date, 4.3 billion minutes of D&D content has been watched on Twitch. Who's watching that? Mostly people that are probably mid to early millennials or younger. What did what did I not what did I not factor into my equation? The complete and utter lack of responsibility that some people get to enjoy. <laughs> yes, for sure. For you have sure. not been crushed by a mortgage. Um, yeah. And they did say sense. because of this, Dungeons and Dragons saw a growth of thirty three percent in sales in twenty twenty from the year God. before. That's awesome. So, and thirty nine percent of players identify as female. I am I am pleased with the numbers I have now been told. Yes. So that was my next question. What's your next one? So this one, this one's interesting. So is Dungeons and Dragons hard to play? I would say it can be, or it can be as easy as you want. I, I love to think of the rules as guidelines rather than hard and fast rules. Cause to remember all 250 pages of just the player's handbook and then another 250 pages of the uh, DM's guide, like it, there's a lot. And it can be as hard as you want. You can make it full on survivalist gaming where you have to manage eating your food and exhaustion and water and sleep. Or you can just say, we don't think about that at all and make it way easier on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah, it depends on how rules heavy or light that particular table you sit down is like. Mm -hmm. Every single thing is you know quantified. Every action that you take, I need I need a roll or or not. You know everything just kind of goes because you listen to you know you listen to actual plays, and they'll do a whole two hour session and no one rolls and it's great. And other other you're just crunching through every single turn of a combat. I mean it, it's all hyper dependent. Um, yeah, I feel like it's a lot of things. You know I think of like. Um, you know, when I started editing audio, like um, Adobe Audition, it's not small. It, it, it's enormous. No. Every, every yeah. drop down you do, there's 30 options that often there's 30 have, more drop downs. <laughs> yeah, 30 <laughs> options just to figure out which window you open to figure out the options that you want inside of there. And so it's figuring out what you need and then using that as a platform to then build off of, you know, if I'm playing a rogue, figuring out what does it really mean about sneak attack? Because that's probably your number one really big thing of the class and then building things off of that knowledge because now I have a better structure around the idea of what advantage and disadvantage are or you know five foot ranges or in you know finding that piece that is most important and then building from there yeah here's a question what is the most popular uh race to play in D? this comes from screenrant.com human fighter it is not human Oh, good. Because for, oh, it was when D&D, maybe that was when 5th edition first came out. But like, it was super popular. Yeah, this was, no, was, this was August. This was August 1, 2022. So. Okay, okay. Because yeah. uh, it was always so baffling to me when it was just like, human fighter. I'm like, really though? That's the thing really? we're going to use our oh, imagination yeah. to be? That's odd. Yeah, right. Right. Okay, so basically um, yourself just being able to wield a sword and fight dragons. Okay. Elf would be my guess mm, then as an alternative. Close. Here's the top 10. Okay. Half orc is 10. Okay. Gnome is nine. Halfling is eight. Uh, Ganassi is seven. Tiefling is six. Dragonborn is five. Dwarf is four. Third is human. Two is elf. And number one, half elf. 
So we've at least uh, shifted away from being full human. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and moving that down, and now we have below it is elf and human. And then, yeah. Yes. Right. Right. Yep. So I figured out something else because it's also interesting on like how you're searching this to get different answers. And you had brought something up in the very beginning, and I finally realized why it's structured that way. Basically, people are trying to ask a specific question, but ensure that it is asked in a D&D context, because alone the question is Greece flammable is really interesting because it's probably going to give you a lot of information about how real world Greece can, in fact, catch on fire and often the ways that you're not supposed to use water to put out a grease fire. You should smother right. it. Now, you know, the real world fact. Da -da -da -da. D D is grease flammable because the question someone is trying to ask is can i cover something in grease with the spell and set it on fire right yes that is exactly what is trying to be asked through that question and one of the interesting things with those is one of the interesting things i find rather is that uh, those are tough because like i want i always want to say yes because i think that's super cool but I always want to be cautious that that doesn't become the thing that always happens. Right. Um, right. Which is a difficulty as a, as a dungeon master. Like, you know, I, I don't know the answer. I haven't even clicked on it, but you know, just like looking and trying to answer, I want to say yes, but I also don't want then every fight to be, I cast grease. I set it on fire. Right. Here's grease. Here's burning hands. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Then totally. I just feel like we're, we're in an anime where they're casting it at the same time to make this combo yeah, move. Right. It's super we cool, want but a again, surprise if, attack where we get a yeah, we get a surprise round where we grease fire. I mean, the, the way you could work around it is well, I guess if it's if you're casting grease, it's a little different. But if they're throwing grease, it's like, well, how prominent is grease? You're not living in an industrial age where grease is just super prevalent. Yeah. You know. I mean, I did click right. it. The Jeremy Crawford answer is yes, it says it creates grease. And yes, grease is a flammable substance. So there you go. You Huzzah. Could, <laughs> in fact, set it on fire. Yeah, then you have to. But then you have to determine, like, how much damage are you doing? Is uh -huh. it a is it a continuous damage for the next couple of rounds? Or is it like because it's magical grease? It just does it one time. Yeah, and do you do it like you critical hit with burning hands or whatever spell you cast? Or do you just say, like, roll all of the damage dice twice? I, like, I, you know, do you make them make a dexterity check with a higher DC? Like, I, you know, I don't know. There's so yeah. many ways. Yeah, so the big difference between like that that evolution over time is like you know you need you need to make whatever decision you think is right in the moment, and you can always change it after. Like the you know, and we we've alluded to that before, like not letting a single rules call bog down the entire session because you're really trying to figure it out. I'd say one to two minutes, and then whatever your decision is is for that session, and then if like it needs to be hashed out later, go ahead and do that. So, but me having played a long time and apparently willing to set most things on fire, what I looked up to reference is how much damage does web do when it's set on fire? And it does an extra mm. D, 2d4 um, fire to any creature that starts its turn there. Um, so I would just do that, um, which is great because you, like you said, that, so that's that additional. So if we did, you know, if we did that combo, like, you know, I greased everyone and you do burning hands. Now your burning hands does an additional 2d4 to every character that's in there. That's a cool combo. Like, right. I'm down for that. And I don't, you know, people probably might use that every time, might not use it. Now it's dependent on how many spell slots you even have of burning, uh, burning hands. 
yeah, but it gets it does get into that tricky situation of like, okay, now am I planning all of my encounters as a DM to counteract their plan of grease fire? Like, because it's not fun for a DM. It's not fun for other players at the table that don't have the ability to do that combo. You know, so it's like, what do you? Yeah, what do you do with that? Well, that might work in a cavern. You're definitely not going to do that in somewhere that's flammable. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, do you, yeah, I mean, do you make environmental things like when you go into caves that there's lots of, you know, webs around. So if you do light that on fire, like you have to think about using fire spells in general because it might start all of the webbing on fire, you know. <laughs> and that just that just makes it like a really tricky place to be or you bump up challenge ratings to make it still a, Normal, like there's just so many things that when players figure out things of how to quote unquote break the game, you know, like my players last night, they were like, they had this item that they had found, but they had ran into a sphinx who sent them 10 years back in the past. And what they had thought was, huh, if we went 10 years in the past, there should be another one of the items that we just got, right? Can we go get another one of the items that we have? And then can we visit the Sphinx again and go back 10 years again and just like break the game and get them? And I was like, <laughs> please don't do that. No, just let's just avoid that. Like <laughs> you just went 10 years in the past. Let's freak out a little bit more as your players. Characters yeah, come on. What you, you're supposed to be doing now. <laughs> you got to get that farmer's almanac. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Figure it out. All right. What do you have next? Oh, my gosh. Okay, here's one. What is the longest D session ever played are we talking about longest game in terms of like years that it's been played or longest like single session that's been recorded uh longest game ever played like uh, like not not in a session but like years running. yeah yeah dang it so i know the answer so i know the basic answer but i'm trying to figure out the ex- so 42 or 43 years is is my guess so it's it was at 39 years in 2021. So it would be like 40 years now if it's still 40. going. Yeah. Is it called I think there The was, Game? Um, so there's one that's oh, called yeah, like yeah, The yeah. Game. There was that, yeah, there was that video it, that came out, right? It's all coming back to me now. Yeah. yeah. So there, it feels like there's a couple games that are in that rough ballpark. And one is like this wild, wild international west march style that's been going on and there's countless characters across continents basically playing this game and it's yeah it's something else and then like the amount of terrain and the stuff that happens but yeah the idea that they're still in this world um and playing basically the same overall game for four decades here's a good question though based off of that that came up how long should a D&D arc of a campaign last? People are curious about this. 40 years. Uh, <laughs> didn't you we, just hear? We, we, I think the U2 song says we still haven't found what we're looking for, right? <laughs> yeah. After 40 years. I th- so, I mean, that is an impossible question, first and foremost. Um, because the ultimate answer is know your players because i mean i've had one where we were in the emerald spire and it's a 16 level dungeon and like it had just at some point i just it lost its luster and basically i ran somewhat of an epilogue session to close that out um and so currently we're in the the 
Ghost of Saltmarsh, and I and I don't really know that the tail end of this game or basically the tail end of this module is something that my players are interested in because within that module is the original U series from second edition and that's like a couple chapters before the end and they know that so i think i'm probably going to close that out and ask the honest question of do you want to continue in this world do you want to continue with these characters or not and that's fine i, I mean i don't i'm fine because it really is does feel like the i mean it's literally called the final enemy um right, <laughs> as right. part of it and so it can close out there and i would say if that's true that i'm probably only like a session or two probably three at the most from that conclusion mm. and deciding whether or not that's again do they want to play these characters what kind of campaign do they want to play even if they do want to play these characters or not yeah i think it's um i mean yeah it's, it's a hard question to answer i think as long as it takes to get the story across but not too long to get bored you know both as a gm both as players like especially like once you get into like character side stories it can get complicated of like okay we've been focusing on this character for like five sessions now are the rest of the players still enjoying this do we have to wrap this up do we have to like move faster in this sense like to get through this like i think it is just a matter of feeling it out and saying okay we've been in this for four sessions now play three or four hours each session like is that too long for a current arc could be just depends on what i think what's happening in your game yeah another good question neil another good question last question is this gonna be the last question you think Okay, perfect. Yeah, last question. Well, no, I have, I have, I have one that'll close this out, and we will both give a one-word answer because it, okay. it's perfect. Okay, here's the last one that I think every DM has ever wondered because we all have an addiction. How many dice should a DM have? Not just, not just. In, let's change the question. Not let's. Let me change the question. Not just like in general in your boxes of stuff, but like when you go to DM at a table with people, how much? How many dice should you bring with you? Oh, okay. So, so, oh man, there's so many fun answers to this question. So if I'm going to come to the table as the DM, just because I've done, you know, purchased enough dice over time, I like being able to supply dice for the entire table if I needed it. Same. Yep. I like having that, like that is a baseline, even if it's like a couple people sharing a set of dice, like if it, I, I don't want that to be anything that makes it feel weird because there's something about a person feeling like they have their own dice and they're not sharing dice. So like it, it, at a minimum, if I really needed to, could I cover the entire table set of dice? That's where I would mm -hmm. like to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what about you behind a GM screen? Like how many dice would you have behind a screen? So I use one set just exclusive like i have one set of dice that i use and i oh man i don't even really i don't even really go with the 11 so like you have your you have your six mm -hmm. set dice you have your seven you have your 11 and i really don't even go with the 11 anymore i i just have one d20 and i'll roll it twice if i need to i have basically i have one of everything and if i need to roll multiples i will um and if i really need to roll something big usually i'll switch to digital and roll that real quick um just to get the yes, answer that's exactly faster. what i do yeah. um but i i have a single <clears throat> seven set dice that i always use i have two that's that's what I have four things like advantage and disadvantage stuff. But 
and like double damage and all that sort of stuff. I usually have, I shouldn't say that, I have one dice, I have an extra d20, and I have uh, a lot of d6s. I don't even know how many I bring anymore, but I usually have at least two of every dice and a lot of extra d6s up until the point where it gets really complicated and messy, and then I switch over to digital for the just the ease of hey i'm rolling 10 d8s i don't feel like adding that all up i know the most i could do is 80 damage but there's a lot of numbers in between that (laughs) and it would take a little while to figure out so i'm right there with you yeah i think i mean the 11 the 11 set really does cover a ton of scenarios because so so your your six your original six set was without the percentile die so the the 10 with the with the two with the two places on it your your seven adds that die in and your 11 gives you a second 20 so you can do advantage and disadvantage as well as bumping you up to four d6 because now i have the d6s that i need to roll a character often your spells that have multiple dice are often using the d6 so i think you're like if you really wanted just one set I would go with an 11, but for me personally, I'm still, I'm still at the old school seven. Mm, there you go. All right, Neil, what's your last question? We're doing I one will more close it out with an, one more to answer. And it is an interesting one because it even pops up on the list is dungeons and dragons fun. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Welcome. Welcome aboard. I don't know. I hope it is or <laughs> else we're, we're just a couple of, couple of fools just spending a lot of time talking about it. Well, I think that's probably still true, but you know. <laughs> but we're having fun doing it. <laughs> but we're having fun. Yes. Yes. Very true. If you felt like there are burning questions that you absolutely feel like we should answer or that you just want us to answer, you can always head over to your email provider of choice, be it AOL, Hotmail, Outlook, Gmail, Yahoo whatever you have and you can email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com and of course you can hit us up on any of the social platforms that we're on via twitter via facebook via instagram um find an old myspace page that last one's not true and of course you can see us there and the other things that we're doing as always the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other amazing shows like Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, and more. But as always, thank you for listening to the Dungeon Master Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of everyone else at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night, good luck, and keep on Dungeon Mastering. Goodbye.